God bless you. Amen and amen. Don't forget on the way out tonight to pick up your copy of Days of Praise. It's December, January, and February. You can take as many as you can use. Our Acts and Facts for the month of December. We've got those out there. And pretty soon the month is going to be gone. You've been so faithful in your giving during these past weeks and months. I want to commend you. God has given us a strong year for Him. And thank you for your regular giving. Thank you for sending it, bringing it, dropping it off. Praise the Lord. We have a give, a Christmas gift to Jesus special fund going on now through the 31st of December. I want to encourage you to give an equal amount to what you spend on others at Christmas time. After all, it's Jesus' birthday that we're celebrating. Now, out on the marquee, it says Christ is Christmas. And He truly is. He's the reason for the season. And we're glad tonight to have the Word of God to look into. And so I'm going to ask you to take your Bibles with me. We've been talking about angels. We'll talk about them some more in just a few moments. We're in the book of Ephesians. Paul is writing by inspiration. And in the first two chapters, we saw the, the great unity of believers because of the work of grace that's been done in us, a supernatural work. We're no longer the same. And so lines have been crossed and walls have been broken down. Partitions are no longer there. And praise the Lord. I like what uh, Dr. Morris, who brought us so much good information on creationism in years gone by, wrote when he was writing of creation, he says, the biblical account of how we got here absolutely destroys anybody's contention of racism because we're all of the same race, the human race, and praise God for that. Those who want to stir up racism or argue about it or claim that we are racist are doing so contrary to Scripture because we are not racist, but rather we're rejoicing in the fact that we're all one in and through the finished work of Jesus Christ. Can I get an amen on that? My wife and I have had the privilege of traveling a great many places and outside our own borders as well. And wherever we've gone, no matter whose paths we've crossed, when we find believers, no matter what their background, we are one. We have that spiritual unity in Christ. Now we're in chapter number three. And once again, I'm going to read the scripture that we read last week, beginning at verse number one. For this cause, I, Paul, the prisoner of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles, if you have heard of the dispensation, or that is the administration, of the grace of God which is given me to you, how that by revelation he made known unto me the mystery, it's a mystery because you can't figure it out, it's got to be revealed, the mystery, as I wrote afore in a few words, whereby when you re read, ye may understand my knowledge in the mystery of Christ. Now, there are 11 mysteries revealed in the Bible, and this is one of them, this mystery of Christ, which in other ages was not made known unto the sons of men. That's Old Testament prophets and so forth, as it is now revealed unto his holy apostles and prophets by the Spirit. The progressive revelation of God's truth is a fact. We know that in different periods of time, God revealed differing amounts 
of information to those people living at that time. They were responsible to have faith in God, to trust Him for salvation according to the information that was given to them. You have already uh, been with us in Genesis this past Sunday when we pointed out that in Genesis 3.15 we have the first reference to the, the coming of Jesus Christ and He was promised from the very beginning as a Redeemer and people look forward to that. And now we look back to the fact that He has come the first time and we look forward to the fact that He will come again. I thank God for the completed canon of Scripture. We have 66 perfect books, every single word inspired by the Holy Spirit and every single word preserved by God. Praise the Lord. Now, we know some things. We have greater and greater illumination as we see things developing around us. We know that, that uh, things are on the move and we are in the last days. These are perilous times, and we have the privilege. Now, when you start to think about it, I wish for the good old days, I wish things weren't so perilous, here's the upside. This is the silver lining that Jonathan was talking about before the service. There's always a godly way to look at things. The fact that we're in perilous times, yes, we understand that. We acknowledge and recognize the fact that there's danger, the fact that that it's not the same as it once was and will probably never be the same again. But we know that we're one day closer to the coming of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We may be among the living when we're called up, when the trumpet sounds, we hear the voice of the archangel and we are raptured together to meet the Lord in the air. What a wonderful time that's going to be. Instead of bemoaning the fact that we don't have the good old days, Let's make the most of these days, these last days, and thank God that He has entrusted us with the truth when so many are falling away, so many are not uh, keeping the truth, keeping the faith. All right, the Gentiles, verse 6, that the Gentiles should be fellow heirs and of the same body and partakers of His promise in Christ by the gospel. Now, three Three very important uh, purposes outlined this eternal purpose of including Gentiles who can come to God directly through Christ. They don't have to become Jewish proselytes before they can come to God. They're now able, we are now able to come directly to God. I'm so glad. Every time I read the book of Leviticus, <laughs> every time I read the book of Hebrews, I am rejoicing that we don't have to uh, have all those symbols and types like the, the Jews did under the law. Praise the Lord, we're under grace. Verse number 7, whereof I was made a minister. The word minister means servant in the Bible. According to the gift of the grace of God given unto me by the effectual, that means effective working of His power. Paul was able to do what he did because he yielded himself. He said yes to God. The only thing that keeps us from being and doing what God would have us to be and do is if we fail to say yes to God. That's it. You said yes, you got up, you got in your cars, you drove here, you, you got up, you folks that are live streaming, you turned on uh, your electronic device, your television set, and you said yes to God. Now the next thing to do is to apply the truth and live it as God gives us grace unto me 
Paul says, who am less than the least of all saints, is this grace given. Now he also said in 1 Timothy 1.15 that he was, he considered himself to be, that is, the chief of sinners. Now what that means is this. He may not have in actuality been the worst sinner that ever lived. But his attitude toward God and in relationship to the grace of God that enabled him to serve is correct. And we likewise need to share that same attitude. It doesn't matter who actually is the chief of sinners. We should consider ourselves the chief of sinners as we're looking at what great things God has done for us. Why would God stoop to reach us and to then save us and then to fill us and then to use us and then after we stumble and fall and fail so many times, He picks us up again, dusts us off and uses us again and again. All I can say is praise the Lord. What a mighty God we serve. How wonderful that is. So He was given grace that I should preach among the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ. There's no way we can ever exhaust the, uh, the, the riches of Christ. The riches of Christ are inexhaustible. And to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery. Now that's the third reference to the mystery. The mystery is that God is including Gentiles by faith in Jesus Christ without them having to become Jews to get to Him. That's a mystery. We would not know that. In fact, it was intentionally kept from the Old Testament prophets. You cannot show me a direct revelation through any Old Testament prophet that says anything of the kind. There's nothing about it in there. Now, eventually, eventually God has a plan, and they didn't know what that plan was. Well, the plan is this thing that we're a part of now, this body that we're a part of, praise the Lord, and to make all men see what is the fellowship of the mystery, which from the beginning of the world hath been hid in God who created all things by Jesus Christ. Now we're going to pick it up tonight at verse number 10. To the intent that now unto the principalities and powers in heavenly places might be known by the church the manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus our Lord in whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him, wherefore I desire that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. We're going to look particularly at these last few verses. And as they have been introduced already by our talking about angels, here we see in verse 10, principalities and powers. I know that in Ephesians Chapter 6, principalities and powers, refers to the various ranks of fallen angels. But here we have heavenly angels. Oh, I know Satan has access to heaven. That's true. But this is not referring to fallen angels. This is referring to spiritual powers, principalities, in heavenly places. And they, notice this, might be known by the church the wisdom, manifold wisdom of God according to the eternal purpose which He purposed in Christ Jesus. Angels cannot, do not have the capacity to totally get it. They are dedicated servants of the Almighty. 
They are messengers. They're messengers. But you know the song, it's a, a song, Holy Angels Cannot Sing Amazing Grace, How Sweet the Sound. They've never experienced saving grace. Back in the beginning, we know that there was a falling out by one-third of the heavenly host, and Satan, Lucifer at that time, uh, led a rebellion, and they were cast out of heaven and were confirmed in evil. And they are today operating within the atmosphere of this world. They are the demon powers, and they, along with the devil, seek to suggest uh, error and wrong conclusions that would cause us to become discouraged or get sidetracked. And we know from experience how that works. When the devil suggests something and we buy into it, and we think it's our thought, our own thought process, why that's how he, he gains advantage over us. He has no jurisdiction there. And, and as we recognize that Satan is bringing, raising these imaginations, as it says in 2 Corinthians, we need to cast down those imaginations. Katabala, we need to throw them down, throw them down, and name it like it is and say, Satan, you have no jurisdiction. You have no right to be here. I claim the blood. We fail to do that. Sometimes we're... You know, you wonder after the fact, what, what led us down that path? Well, it was the suggestion of the devil, and we bought into it. Our flesh readily does that, our sinful nature. Not, not the, the new nature, but our sinful nature desires to follow along, take the easy path, and that's what we do. We know that the angels sang at creation, and we know that uh, that first Christmas in Luke chapter 2, as we have Seen on the past two Sundays, angels announced the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and must have been amazed. I know I'm amazed. The shepherds were amazed. But they must have been totally blown away in their angel minds to see the King of Glory as a human baby in a manger with stable animals. Wow. I'm thankful for all that we enjoy today. Angels, of course, are around us and protect us. We have guardian angels. We know that angels are mentioned in 34 books of the Bible. 273 times. 108 times in the Old Testament, 165 times in the New Testament. Angels are mentioned. We should not we should not consider them to be strange. And yet people today are as curious about angels and, and perhaps uh, in an in a over-the-line the sort of way as angels are curious to know about us and what makes us tick. Now we've mentioned Lucifer already and he's fallen, but Michael and Gabriel are the named angels that we know of in apocryphal writings there is a Raphael, but he's not in the Bible anywhere. And, uh, of course, those of you that, that watch uh, It's a Wonderful Life, there's Clarence, of course, and uh, maybe, maybe some others that you think you have. But most in, a, angels are not given individual names. They're, they're described as elect angels in 1 Timothy 5.21. They're called principalities and powers because of their order. Uh, they... Are, some are designated as cherubims uh, and uh, seraphim. 
they're, they're also uh, busy about the Father's business. Uh, they are a messenger. Uh, that's their office. Primary office is to be a messenger. And Jesus taught about angels. He said in Matthew 18, 10, For I say to you that in heaven their angels do always behold the face of my Father which is in heaven. I will never forget the message that was preached by Dr. Jim Vineyard at the passing of a little bus child. And he used this scripture and he said that in heaven their angel, his angel, uh, does always behold the face of my Father. And that, that was a great comfort and numbers of folks got saved at that uh, service of memory for the little bus child that died. The angels execute God's judgments and purposes. So they're totally at God's disposal. They guide believers. Uh, we have cases of this in the Bible. The Ethiopian eunuch wanted salvation. And uh, the angel said to Philip, Arise and go toward the south unto the way that goeth down from Jerusalem unto Gaza, which is desert. Angels assist and protect and strengthen God's people, as in the case of Elijah, who was cared for, and Daniel. Angels will come with King Jesus at his second advent, and angels also bear the spirit of the saved to heaven and guard the saved who have passed. The reason I'm mentioning this is our scripture says that, that we have a part in instructing these angels in what they could not personally experience or that which they are not capable of grasping. We are supposed to be a positive example. And so right now, I don't know how many are in this room or how many are observing us, but it's, it's entirely possible that that is the case. And they're wondering, you know, how it is that we function. And, and I hope, I trust that we're not disappointing our observers, our watchers, as they are referred to in Scripture as well. I'm, I'm hoping that they're getting an accurate picture of what a believer should be. Fallible as we are, stumbling as we do, but we still get up and we confess our sins, and they don't understand redemption. They don't understand uh, the, the whole process of the cleansing by the blood. They're amazed at that, never experiencing that, but just uh, wondering about it. Hopefully they see that to us it's serious business. This Christian life of ours should be serious business. Your kids, your grandkids, your uh, fellow Christians and uh, unbelievers are watching our life as well. And our life should be an example for people to see that Jesus Christ has made a difference. We should never get used to being saved in the sense of it being monotonous or it being routine. Uh, don't take what we have in Christ for granted. According to the scriptures, these angels are curious about it. And I want them to get an accurate picture of what's going on. The eternal purpose of God was not wasted. The sacrifice of Jesus Christ was not wasted. He went to the cross, he was buried, he rose again. That was not a waste. That was an investment in God's eternal plan. And we who have been saved have been redeemed ought to live it, allowing Christ, of course, to live out of us. It says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 4 and 5, 
But as we were allowed of God to be put in trust with the gospel, so we've been entrusted, we've been invested with the gospel, even so we speak, not as pleasing men, but God which trieth our hearts. For neither at any time used we flattering words, as ye know, nor a cloak of covetousness, God is witness. May God help us to avoid the sins of the flesh, like covetousness. Uh, may God keep us from, uh, from any exercise of the flesh that would cause confusion. It says in 2 Timothy 1.8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, Paul is saying, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Can you imagine from your place above as an angel watching believers who are exercising their, their uh, position of living godly in Christ Jesus and suffering persecution. And then observe other professing believers who go to church on Sunday but don't live as the Lord would have them to live during the week. This is, of course, what the message is about tonight. It's about our being consistent. It's about our fulfilling the purpose of God, allowing the Lord to live through us. And as we pass along to our children and children's children, as we pass along to our Timothys and those whom we mentor, as it says in 2 Timothy 2, 2, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. Fifty years ago, one hundred years ago, the witness, the testimony, the standards, the beliefs, of Christians were almost uniform. Very, very few who called themselves Christians lived any other way than a Christian life. Oh, they're human, they're flawed, they would stumble, they'd get up again, they would claim the grace of God and the forgiveness uh, through the blood of Jesus Christ, but uh, it, was, it was understood that a Christian uh, was a new creature in Christ, that there was a change that had taken place. And then sometime in the last 50 to 100 years, Christians began in greater and greater numbers to emulate the world. And now it became a changed, uh, perhaps a, a little varied emphasis. And the emphasis is, oh, get saved, receive Christ, but then walk as close to the world's standards, the world's appearances, the way the wor world grooms itself and talks and where it goes, places of interest and activities in which it participates, because after all, we're saved by free grace, and nothing that we can do will change that. Ah, but you see, from the beginning, it's always been God's plan that we would be a peculiar people, a particular people of His choosing. And only in recent decades have Christians been in competition to try to look, walk, talk, and act like the world. So the great mystery of Christ, the great mystery requiring a revelation to understand it, that could not be understood by angels, is ours to live out. And this affected Paul profoundly because he had come from persecutor to preacher. And it affects us as we have now the opportunity to be part of God's great plan without having to become Jews. The mystery of Christ the mystery of Christ in us, the mystery 
of the church, including all people from all backgrounds. This should cause us to be amazed and continue to be amazed as it amazes the angel beings who are watching us. In order that the manifold wisdom of God, the manifold wisdom of God should be understood and appreciated. God's glorious purpose in salvation is to show His love to the entire world. And every person from every background should be subject to this love. Oh, the depths of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are His judgments and His ways past finding out. Romans 11, 33. So the, the eternal purpose, which He purposed in Christ Jesus, the riches of that can be experienced and can be shared. In whom we have boldness and access with confidence by the faith of Him. We're confident as part of God's plan. We are confident and bold in proclaiming that plan as well. The plan that includes all those who previously could not freely come through Christ to God. He saved us and called us with a holy calling. Not according to our works, it says in 2 Timothy 1.9. But according to His own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began. Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. No man cometh unto the Father but by Jesus Christ. Paul says, therefore, that he's willing to suffer. And that's what the angels are waiting for. They're waiting to see if we're going to follow in Christ's steps. If this salvation makes sinful human beings like Jesus in the sense that we allow Him to have control of us. That's the curiosity. And that's what needs to be demonstrated today. It says in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul had the right attitude. He said, For I determined not to know anything among you save Jesus Christ and Him crucified. And I was with you in weakness and in fear and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching was not with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power. That's it. Paul was able to be and to do what God's plan, his eternal purpose, dictated as he yielded himself to Jesus Christ. And he was able to speak with boldness, not because he was an educated man. He was. Not because he was a, an experienced and, and powerful man in personality. He was. But he didn't come in his own strength, but he yielded to God. That's what we must do as well. In Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, here's our challenge tonight. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Paul then challenges the Ephesians in Ephesians 3.13. In view of all of that, the previous 12 verses in that chapter and the prior two chapters, he says, Wherefore, I desire 
that ye faint not at my tribulations for you, which is your glory. In 1 Corinthians chapter 9 and verse 16, Paul said it this way, For though I preach the gospel, I have, I have nothing to glory of. Underline I. For though I preach the gospel, I have nothing to glory of. For necessity is laid upon me. Yea, woe is unto me if I preach not the gospel. For a number of years, the, the reference, the verse that we would sign with our names when we would uh, send out something that we had written was 2 Corinthians 4, 5. We preach not ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord and ourselves, your servants, for Jesus' sake. We're getting our attitude adjustment, aren't we? Now is the time for us to do this. Now is the time for us to understand that apart from Him, we're nothing. But with Him and through Him, living out of our life, we can show a lost and dying world the crucified Christ. We can show a, a living Savior to a lost and dying world so that they'll want to be saved as well. And it will not be because of our strength. It will be because of our yieldedness. We've given up. We've allowed the Lord to have His way. He can speak through my lips. He can think through my mind. He can walk in my shoes. He can live in my life and touch the lives of others. And that way, the world will see Jesus Christ in you and me. Shall we pray? Every head bowed, every eye closed. Our heads are bowed, our eyes are closed. If the Spirit of God spoke to your heart about anything tonight, would you slip your hand up? Did He speak to you? Amen. Right now, as we think about even angels desiring to look into these things that seem so strange, perhaps we've grown cold, distant, backslidden, and tonight we need a refreshing, a reviving. And we're going to pray to that end. If you've never received Christ as your Savior, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Would you receive Christ in your heart right now? And pray something like this. Dear God, I admit that I'm a sinner. I deserve to pay for my sins. I believe Jesus died to save me. Right now, I receive the Lord Jesus Christ into my heart as my personal Savior. Please take away my sins and take me to heaven when I die. And if you prayed that prayer, would you slip your hand up and indicate it? All right, let's stand to our feet with heads bowed. We're going to sing together an invitation hymn. Number 350. Beautiful offertory.